This audio is brought to you by Harmim Foundation. Please consider donating to help support our projects by visiting www.harmim.org forward slash donate. Ala hadrati habibika Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa akshahullahumma binurik kama rashiyatu sahabatu tajilliyat fa nazara ila wajhika al-kareem wa bi haqiqati al-haqaiqi kallama mawlahu al-azim al-lazhi a'adahu min kulli su'u اللهم اجعل جمعنا هذا جمعا مرحوما وتفرقنا من بعده تفرقا معصوما ولا تجعل فينا ولا منا ولا بيننا ولا معنا شقيا ولا محروما افتح علينا في هذه الساعة من فتوحك الواسعة ورحمتك الهامعة وبركتك الجامعة أفض على قلوبنا بما أفضت به على قلوب عبادك المحبوبين أدخلنا في حضرات المقربين اسلك بنا مسالك الصادقين وفقنا لما وفقت إليه عبادك المحبوبين يا أكرم الأكرمين ثم أما بعد البروفيت صلى الله عليه وسلم and just before I came here, I was doing a very short video message about Ramadan. The Prophet says, When you love something, it makes you blind and it makes you deaf. Right? When you love something, it makes you blind and it makes you deaf. And in English, they say love is blind. When you love something, you are deaf in that you can't hear any criticism and you can't hear any sound except the sound of the beloved. And when you love something, you're so blind that you don't see any problems or any any faults or any defects in the thing or the person that you love. And even if you can see something, you will cover it. You will cover it what we, we, with, with love. If you see some faults, you will cover it with love. As Imam al-Shatabi rahimahullah says um, in, in, in his Shatabiya, it's a poem in Qira'at, he says rahimahullah ta'ala that you should cover whatever faults you find in this with forgiveness and with love you should cover whatever you see in the poem with love uh, if you see any fault so with this in mind when the prophet sallallahu said that loving something makes you blind and makes you deaf we should meet the month of ramadan and we should love the month of ramadan we should love the month of ramadan in the sense that we should see the beauties in this month of Ramadan out of love. The more you love something, the more you will see the beauties in it. They mention that Imam Al-Qushiri mentions that a student asked his teacher and he said, I'm going to visit a specific village. Do you know any saint or righteous man there? And he said, yes, there is a righteous man who works in that city and he lives there. So if you go, go and ask him for dua. When he went to the city, he asked about the man and he realized that he works in a bakery shop. He, he's actually a baker, so he stands in front of the fire all the day to bake. He went and he saw him covering his face with a shawl to protect his face from the heat of the, of the fire coming out of the oven. So he said in his, in his heart, if this man was righteous, why should he cover his face? He should have so much power that he doesn't need to cover his face. And then he approached him and he said, Assalamu alaikum. He did not respond. He said, I'm here to, to ask for dua, and he did not respond. And he actually said to him, go away. So he went back to his teacher, and he said, you sent me to this man. I asked him for dua, he didn't respond. He actually sent me away. He said, what did you say to yourself when you approached him? What did you say to yourself when you approached him? Did you approach him with love? Did you approach him with a heart that is full of love? He said, no. He said, now clean your heart and go back and ask him, and he will definitely respond positively to your asking of dua. Even the Quran tells us in Surah Al-Mujadala, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, idha najaytumur rasul, 
فَقَدِّمُوا بَيْنَ يَدَيْنَ جُوَاكُمْ صَدَقَةً ذَلِكُمْ أَزْكَى لَكُمْ وَأَطْهَرْ Or you who believe when you speak to the Prophet, you should give some charity before you speak to him, give some charity outside before you speak to him. Why? He says, this is better and more pure to your heart, for your hearts. It purifies your hearts and makes it, make your hearts ready to receive the understanding and the gifts of the Prophet ﷺ when he speaks to you. Even when you sit with anyone, any person, any individual, when you sit with any individual, even if that person is lower than you in knowledge, if you sit with love and you sit with good intention of benefiting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send some rizq, some sustenance, some <coughs> spiritual sustenance through this person to you and you will benefit from him. With this, when we look at the month of Ramadan, we receive, we've been receiving Ramadan since we were born. Every year we have the month of Ramadan. And possibly even every year we hear the same speeches about the month of Ramadan. Almost the same courses, the same preparing for Ramadan courses. We understand and we read in the Quran that Ramadan is the month of the Quran. We read in, in, in the Quran that Ramadan is the month in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses people with fasting. We know that the experience of fasting is pretty much the same. But how can we get the best out of it then? We have to love Ramadan. We have to love this time which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us, has opened the gates for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has opened three big gates. One of these gates is called Maghfirah, forgiveness. And one of these gates is called Rahmah, mercy. And one of these gates is manumission from hellfire. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, awaluhu rahmah, maghfirah, wa The beginning of this month is mercy, the middle of this month is forgiveness, and the end of this month is manumission from the hellfire. Unless we love these qualities about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and about the month of Ramadan, and then we internalize these qualities in us. So at the beginning of Ramadan, we should start it with mercy. We should train ourselves to be merciful to those around us, with a, starting from family. Charity begins at home. Starting from our children and starting from our family, starting from our neighbors, starting from the society around us. Unless we practice this mercy in the society, in our day-to-day -day life, Unless we do that, we won't be able to feel the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us. The hadith of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Irhamu man fil ardi, irhamukum man fil sama. Show mercy to those on earth, those in heavens will show mercy to you. Ar-rahimuna yarhamuhum ar-rahman. Those that are merciful will be shown mercy by the merciful subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have this big gate that unless we love the, uh, the characteristic and the quality of mercy, and we don't listen to anything else. How do we love Rahmah? Loving Rahmah and being deafened by this love means that we should not listen to any call of hatred. We should not listen to any call of revenge. We should not listen to any call of treating people in the same way they treat us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described those who are deaf from anything other than listening to the voice of mercy and forgiveness when he says in Surah Al-Shura, وَإِذَا مَا غَضِبُوا وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا مَا غَضِبُوا هُمْ يَغْفِرُونَ Those when they are angry, what do they do? When they are angry, when they are, when they are aggressed, aggressed upon, when they are wronged, they forgive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes those who adopt such a, a good way of responding to people's aggression in Surah Al-Imran. And he says, لَتُبْلَوُنَّ فِي أَمْوَالِكُمْ وَأَنفُسِكُمْ وَلَتَسْمَعُنَّ مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا أَذًا كَثِيرًا 
you will be tested in your money and in yourselves. And you will hear from people who've been given the book before you and from those who associate others with Allah, you will hear a lot of harm. People will criticize you, people will ridicule you, people will look down upon you, people will joke and mock you. Yesterday I was coming from central London back here to Feltham and I saw a few youngsters, they were talking about fasting and they were almost like ridiculing Muslims for fasting. And I was smiling inside me, like listening to how people ridicule things which they don't know about. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you will be hearing a lot of ridicule. You will not pass unnoticed in life. You will be tested. And then the second part of the ayah, وَإِن تَصْبِرُوا وَتَتَّقُوا فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنْ عَزْمِ الْأُمُورِ If you pardon, if you are patient, if you practice patience and resolve and you forgive and fear Allah, this is really, this is something that requires resolve. This is something that requires power. It is very easy to respond in an offensive way. But the best action is the action of turning a deaf ear to the, the voice of revenge, to the voice of mistreatment. This, in this way, we will be applying this meaning of what the Prophet said, If you say, I really love to be merciful. I really love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us a great lesson in the sixth year after the hijrah and since we're talking about the seerah in the sixth year after the hijrah the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had to make a preemptive war against a tribe called banu al-mustaliq <coughs> banu al-mustaliq were very powerful people they were literally third in power after quraysh and ghatafan and the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam heard the news that these people are preparing their troops to attack Medina. So before they attacked Medina, the Prophet ﷺ prepared his army and they moved, they marched to Banu al-Mustaliq and they came to uh, the, 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 this battle or this, uh, this expedition is known as the Battle of Banu al-Mustaliq and is also known as Ghazwatul Muraysiyah, the Battle of Al-Muraysiyah because of, of, a, of a well that the Prophet ﷺ camped next to in that, in, that, in that battle. Anyway, the Prophet ﷺ managed to capture Banu al-Mustaliq before they attacked him. After the battle and everything, and the Prophet ﷺ moved back to Medina, went back to Medina, Sayyidah Aisha was in his company in that, uh, in that battle. And she used to stay in a haudaj, which is basically a wooden construction put on top of a camel for women to have some privacy when they're troubled. Sayyidah Aisha ta'ala anha, at that battle, she has lost a lot of weight. So there was no difference between whether she is in the hodaj, whether she is inside or not. The camel, like, like pulling the camel will not make a difference because there is no weight on top of it. So Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha was inside and she, last minute she realized that she has lost her necklace. So she came out of the hodaj and she went back to look for her necklace and the people moved before she came back and they didn't realize that she's not inside. So by the time she came to the place, there was no one. So she sat in her position. She sat in that place on the top of a rock, waiting to see what's going to happen. And it just happened that one Muslim man called Safwan ibn al-Mu'attal al-Silmi stayed behind. He was behind. He was doing something. So he had to be behind the, the caravan. And he passed by and he saw her sitting there. So he offered her a ride. So she said, no problem. She rode his camel and he took her back to Medina. Imagine like two days or something after the people have arrived, all of a sudden the people of Medina discover a stranger, a man from the community, 
and the wife of the Prophet ﷺ at the back of a camel, and they're coming. And imagine if we in our community see something similar to that. Like you came across a brother and a sister walking down the road, and you know that they're not married to each other. What sorts of insinuations and what sorts of rumors will start to trigger into the minds of the community? And people love to live on rumors. That's why we, we are very uh, good victims for media. Because media plays on our love for rumors and knowing that the news. The Quran actually is full of uh, understanding, is full of like uh, telling us that man wants to know what is hidden from him. What about what they're asking? They're asking about the great news. And the Quran actually tells us that we should be busy with the news that benefit us rather than the news, the details that are of no benefit. The Quran tells us, for instance, the story of the people of the cave, but doesn't tell us how many were the people of the cave. And even when the, the Quran triggers the question, they will say three, the fourth is the dog, five, the sixth is the dog, seven, or the eighth is the dog. The Quran doesn't give an answer because the details is not important. The details of the numbers is not important. The Quran tells us about the whale that swallowed uh, Yunus, السلام, but it doesn't tell us what type of whale was that. The Quran tells us different things. It even tells us about Pharaoh, Pharaoh, but it doesn't tell us who of the kings of ancient Egyptian kings was the Pharaoh, knowing that the title, the, the, Pharaoh, uh, the, the word Pharaoh is a title, not the name of the person. So which of all these kings was he? That's not the, the issue. The issue is not to look at the individuals. We should look at the lessons and the symbols. So uh, because we were so concerned about the details of the news rather than the lesson of the news, the Quran doesn't tell us the details of so many places that are mentioned in the Quran. The Quran doesn't tell us the details of the so many individuals, icons, that are mentioned in the Quran. We all know about the believing man from the family of Pharaoh, Mu'minu Ali Pharaoh, the man who went and he argued with the, with the people of Pharaoh and he was siding with Musa alayhi salam and he was blaming them for not believing in Musa alayhi salam. But it doesn't tell us who was that. How, how related was he to Pharaoh? Which member of the family was he? Was he, what has happened to him? The Quran tells us about Ashab al-Ukhdud, the people of the pitch. But the Quran doesn't tell us which century did these people live. The Quran tells us about Ghulam al-Ukhdud, you know, the boy and the king, the young boy. But it doesn't tell us how old was he. It leaves to our imagination to imagine the details without having to be consumed by the details. Anyway, said Aisha radiallahu anha, all of a sudden they found Safwan ibn Ma'attal al-Silmi, who was a very righteous, good person accompanying the wife of the Prophet ﷺ. And then what happened? All the rumors in Medina started to focus on Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu A whole big hypocritical community who believed in Islam externally, but internally they didn't. And they were just living for that. The Quran actually told, told, uh, described them in another place as al-murjifuna fil Medina. The word irjaf in Arabic comes from rajfa quake, earthquake. So Al-Murjif is a person who, who basically shakes the society by spreading rumors. Because rumors shake any society. They destroy families. They destroy the social stability of the society. They destroy the moral stability of the society. So these Murjifin, this community of rumor keepers, they carry rumors and gossipers from different places, like they carry gossips from different places. These people started weaving their own scenarios of the story. 
what could have happened in between Banu al-Mustaliq dwellings to al-Madina al-Munawwara. What could have happened between Safwan ibn al-Ma'attal al-Silmi and Sayyidah Aisha. And some started to fill in the details with dirty scenarios, possibly saying, why did she delay herself? Why did she came late? What must have happened in between? And obviously the Prophet ﷺ was not shaken by that. We all know, read the story in Surah An-Nur, at the beginning of Surah An-Nur. But one of the people who were involved in that, and they were carrying the news here and there, was a man called Mistah ibn Athath al-Silmi. And Mistah ibn Athath al-Silmi was a man who could not keep his tongue. Sometimes people who spread the rumors are one of two. Either someone who has got bad intention, or someone who cannot control his tongue. He doesn't have any bad intention, but he just likes listening to stories. Someone who doesn't have anything else. You know, some people have ill intention people, people who are, who are weaving scenarios, making them with bad intention, and someone else who doesn't have any bad intention. He's just passerby. He came across and he listened, and he found this interesting to listen to, right? So he just carried, listened to it, and he didn't even think about it. He carried it from one mouth to another mouth. The Quran actually says, You receive it with your tongues. Although we should receive things with what? With our ears. But the Quran says because people didn't think deeply about it, they received it with their tongue and they said with their mouth. So they didn't even think about it. This man, Mistah ibn Athath al-Silmi, he spread a lot of rumors about the Sayyidah Aisha and he was involved in this whole story. Later, when the Quran came down, clearing the side of a Sayyidah Aisha, declaring her innocent and saying that these people have made false accusation and they were punished by the Prophet ﷺ for making such false accusation. This man, Mistah ibn Athath al-Silmi, has done a lot of harm to a Sayyidah Aisha. If we look, who is Mistah ibn Athath al-Silmi? He was a poor person who was sponsored by Sayyidina Abu Bakr Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq used to sponsor and spend on Mistah ibn Athath al-Silmi. He was a poor child, had nothing, no money on him, and Sayyidina Abu Bakr used to provide for him and his mother all his life. So when the the, 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 this has happened, Sayyidina Abu Bakr thought, this man has done a lot of harm to my daughter. I'm going to stop. The least he could have done is what? To stop providing for him. I'm not going to give him anything. He said, I'm not going to provide anything for him. But the Quran came down teaching a very important lesson that you should not be deafened. You should actually be deafened by your love for charity and good work to listen to anything that is going to stop you. So the Quran said, let those of you let those of you who have means to provide not stop providing those that are related to them and the orphans and the poor people let them pardon and forgive. Let them pardon and forgive. And then the second part of the ayah is a big question. That's actually a very striking question. Let them pardon and forgive. Don't you love for Allah to forgive you? Don't you want Allah to forgive you? 
that's a question that actually we need we need to to carry to ourselves that's a question that we possibly need to ask ourselves every time someone harms you or says something bad about you or does something bad to you and you don't find in your heart the ability to forgive them you should ask yourself do you want Allah to forgive you and based on that answer you should decide what behavior should take with the person do you want Allah to forgive you do you want Allah to forgive you? Yes. Will you be happy if Allah forgives you? Will you be ecstatic if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wipes off all your bad deeds? Then you should forgive to be forgiven. You should give to be given. You should spend in order for Allah to spend on you. You should show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what we call attachment to his qualities, attachment to Allah's attributes. One of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-afu, the pardon. One of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attributes is al-ghafur, the forgiver. One of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ghaffar, the one who oft, oft forgives. He forgives all the time. One of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ghafiru dham, the one who forgives the sin. If you want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to manifest these attributes to you, you should manifest these attributes to people. If you really love the month of Ramadan, we should be different from any calls that will call us to do anything other than what is required from us in the month of Ramadan. The Prophet said, Loving something will make you deaf and blind. And although the hadith is normally quoted in, what? in a very negative context, because the Prophet says, you should not love something to the level of being deaf and blind. The Prophet ﷺ actually said, Ahbib habibaka hawnan ma. When you love something, you should love it moderately. For one day, it could be, you could, that could turn. That love could change one day. So when you love someone, love them moderately. Don't be completely extreme in your love. And don't be extreme in your hatred. Don't be extreme in your feeling. Because extreme feelings are more or less related to children. Children are normally extreme in their feelings. When they love someone, they love him so deep. And when they dislike, it's like very drastic change from one, one side to the other child, to the other side. But an adult person, a sane person, is moderate in his feelings. But, so the Prophet ﷺ said, loving something makes you blind and makes you deaf. But we can take this hadith out of its negative context and put it in a good context. That let's love certain things that will draw us nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that makes us deaf and blind so that we don't see anyone except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that we don't listen to any call except the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Prophet sallallahu said at the beginning of Ramadan there will be someone calling and saying an angel will be calling Ya baghi al khayri aqbil O you who want to do good deeds come this is the space the gates are open this is the time or you who is trying to do something bad, stay in your place. Don't come out. This is not the space for doing evil deeds. This is a time which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses this ummah. Blesses this ummah with the Quran. Blesses this ummah with philanthropy. Blesses this ummah with generosity. And since it is the month of generosity, the Prophet sallallahu used to double his generosity in this month. As mentioned in the hadith of Sayyidah Aisha as well, the Prophet was the most generous man. 
But in Ramadan, his generosity would double. Why would it double? Because in this month, there should be no other call of anything else other than the call of generosity. And when the call of generosity is on, you will give to those who don't give to you before those who give to you. Because if you give to those who give to you, you are no better than them. You will be just equal to them. In the wasiyah of the Prophet ﷺ to Sayyidina Abu Dhar al-Ghifari, very long advice the Prophet ﷺ gave to Abu Dhar al-Ghifari, he said, وَأَوْصَانِي أَنْ أَصِلَ مَنْ قَطَعَنِي وَأَنْ أَعْفُوَ عَمَّنْ ظَلَمَنِي وَأَنْ أُعْطِيَ مَنْ حَرَمَنِي He advised me as well to connect with the one who severed ties with me and to pardon the one who does injustice to me and to give the one who deprives me. When you give, you don't give to those who give you. Because if you give to those who give you, then you're not better than them. You're just reciprocating their action with another action. You're returning their favor with another favor. But when you give, you should give to those who are bad to you. Why? Because when you give, you need a lot of resolve. You need a lot of control. You need a lot of fight against your own ego, against your own nafs, in order to come out and give. The Prophet ﷺ pardoned and forgave all those who have harmed him. We all know the story in Fatih Mecca, when he said, what do you think I'm going to do to you? And then he forgave everyone. The Prophet ﷺ used to give to those who are harmful towards him more than he would give to people who are good towards him. Why? Because the share of the ego in this is less. The share of ego in giving the one who is giving you is manifest. But the share of ego in giving the one who is not giving you is more. Ibn Ata'illah Sakandari rahimahullah says, like the share of the ego in good deed is is what is let, uh, lesser than the share of the ego in bad deed. Why? Because when you do something bad, when you commit a sin, you fulfill your desire. People normally commit sins to fulfill their desires. But when you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have not fulfilled your desire. So the share of your nafs is little. You need to struggle against your ego in order to do what is good. Right? And in fact, this subtle share, because the share of the ego is very less, and the share of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater, you should strive to give and to do things in which the share of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater. This month of Ramadan is a great opportunity for us to focus in our life, to seclude ourselves from the world. This is a cave for a believer. And living at the end of time, as we live in the end of time, where we have loads and loads of things that distract us from ourselves, that distract us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't even have privacy. Even when we are alone, there is no privacy. We have our mobile phones, we have, we, we, have, we connect to Facebook, to Twitter, we connect to social media. We have no privacy anymore. We need to have some form of cave in order to focus, in order to think about our relation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to reconstruct this relationship, in order to arrange our scattered life. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that one of the main reasons why people complain that their life is scattered. You know, what does that mean? It means that you find that your day has no barakah. It means that you find that your life is just driving you. It means that your life is not arranged and is not well ordered. 
You don't know what have you done in the past few years and what are you going to do in the coming few years. You have no plan. In order to arrange our past life and to arrange our future life, we need to have a bit of focus. And we, in order to have focus, we need to have some form of seclusion. We need to have some form of avoidance of people, avoiding people, focusing. This month of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تُطِعْ مَنْ أَغْفَلْنَا قَلْبَهُ عَنْ ذِكْرِنَا وَاتَّبَعَ هَوَاهُ وَكَانَ أَمْرُهُ فُرُطًا Don't listen to the one whom we have switched their heart from remembering us. He followed his desire, so his life has become scattered. When your life is scattered and it's not arranged and it's not focused, it's an indication of a bigger disease. What is that? That you're following your desire. And as much as you have so many desires, you will have so many inclinations. Desire, hawa, is taken from the word hawa, air. Because air moves in different directions. We don't know which direction is it moving in. So your desire takes you to different directions. You don't have focus. You don't have aim. And why? And therefore, because you're just following your whims and desires and inclinations, you don't have a plan. You don't have a focus. So your day and your daily affairs, your day passes by without achieving something considerable. Why is that happening? Because you're following your desire. Why am I following my desire? Why am, not am I not focused? Because We don't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't have a set of dhikr that we do in the morning and that we do in the evening. That we start our days with and we finish our days with. That arranges our day for us. One of the side benefits of dhikr, of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Besides be connecting us to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and enlightening our hearts and fulfilling our relationship between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is arranging our life. One of the benefits of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that it makes your day well organized. The five daily prayers organize your day. The morning and the evening dhikr organize your day. The after taraweeh dhikr, the, day, the dhikr before you go to sleep, the dhikr after you wake up from sleep, it arranges your day. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us focus in this Ramadan. Make this Ramadan a fruitful time for us. Allahumma inna nas'aluka fi hadhi sa'a wa nahnu ahwaju ma nakunu ila ridaq wa اللهم إنا نسألك ونحن أحوج ما نكون نسألك اللهم باسمك الطيب الطاهر الأعظم المبارك الذي إذا سئلت به أجب وإذا استعطيت به أعطيت وإذا استرحمت به رحم وإذا استنزلت به غيوث رحمتك على عبادك أنزلت يا أكرم الأكرمين نسألك اللهم من رحمتك الواسعة وبركتك الهامعة ونعمتك الشاسعة نسألك اللهم رحمة من رحماتك ولطفا من لطفك وبركة من بركاتك تنقلنا بها من ضيق الدنيا إلى ساعة الآخرة من ضيق أنفسنا وضيق هواتنا وضيق أهوالنا إلى سعة رحمتك ومغفرتك ولطفك يا أكرم الأكرمين اللهم يسر لنا أمورنا مع الراحة لقلوبنا وأبداننا والسلامة والعافية في في ديننا ودنيانا وكلنا صاحبا في سفرنا وخليفة في أهلنا واكمس على وجوه أعدائنا وامسخهم على مكانتهم فلا يستطيعون المضي ولا المجيء إلينا اللهم كلنا ولا تكن علينا ولا تكلنا طرفة إلينا واجمع لنا ما بين علم وعمل واصرف إلى دار البقاء من الأمل اللهم خر لنا في سائر الأحوال واختر لنا في سائر الأفعال واجعل بنينا علماء صلحة وناصحين فقهاء نصحة اللهم يسر لنا الأمور واجمع وأنر من الصدور واشرح لنا الصدور ووفقنا لما وفقت إليه عبادك المحبوبين المقبولين المؤيدين يا أكرم الأكرمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله رب